Hi, everybody. It's John Dickerson. Welcome or welcome back to the Connection Point podcast. At the end of this episode, I'd encourage you to take a moment and check out cp.news on your web browser. Connection Point is a church that is fully online, and you can follow Jesus one day at a time from anywhere in the world with us. Well, I pray this message inspires you and challenges you today to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. But hey, let's start off with just kind of catching up. I hope you had a good spring break. If you have kids in school, if you had spring break, we took a little spring break trip to balmy Cincinnati. Cincinnati, we had heard about this place called the Great Wolf Lodge. It's like a Part resort, part giant water park. And uh, we, we'd never been. So we decided to go to Great Wolf Lodge. Here's the family. Here we are at the Great Wolf Lodge. Now, for those of you who've never been, I do feel compelled to give a little bit of a, a public service announcement, a, a word of warning, if you will. Uh, I'm 39, and so when my kids were getting their swimsuits on, I thought, you know, no one really wants to see this. So I'm just going to go ahead and wear a T-shirt, you know, and... Um, I don't know how to put it nicely, but there were a lot of uh, hairy beer bellies that did not have the same thoughtfulness. And so the water slides were great. The kids had a blast. We loved the whole thing. But to be just fully open book honest, the first minute or so, Mel and I got in there and we were just kind of looking around like, wow, we have a, a creative creator uh, <laughs> I tell you what, but we had a great time at Great Wolf Lodge. Mel didn't do most of the big water slides, but there's a family water slide. In fact, this next picture, if you look at the right, that blue tube, the thing's probably, I don't know, 15 feet around, and they have this about 10-foot circular raft, and at the top, you get the whole family. So we talked Mel into going on the family water slide with us. Uh, the one thing we didn't calculate for is how loud Mel screams when she's scared. <laughs> so, I mean, going down that thing, you're enclosed, and the echoes, once Mel started screaming, the kids started screaming, and I, I'm still trying to recover some of my hearing. So, if you see me out and about and you call my name and I don't turn around, it might just be from uh, the Great Wolf Watch, but... We only had one injury. Zoe was playing in the wave pool, and she skinned her knee. Zoe's my daughter in the middle there at the front, and uh, she skinned her knee, and um, you know we, we got it taken care of. And as a parent, one of the moments I most love, I don't love seeing my kids hurt, but I love it when one of my other kids shows a ton of empathy and compassion, and uh, Zoe's sister, Evie, uh, just wanted so badly for Zoe to feel better. I want to talk with you today about that inherent desire that you have to help people who are hurting. Whether it's someone in your family or in your workplace, maybe someone in your neighborhood or a classmate at school, when you see someone who's hurting, I know that you have it in you that you want to help them. That's part of the fact that you're made in the image of God. Uh, you want, just like God, to help the hurting. And you have that desire in you. In fact, I wonder, do you have someone in your life right now where you can relate to that feeling of compassion, where you see someone with a skinned knee and you just think, I want to help? Maybe you know someone who's going through a divorce, or maybe you know someone who's going through cancer. Maybe you know someone who's just uh, internally, they just can't find peace. They're dealing with a lot of anxiety and uncertainty. Do you have someone like that in your life right now? I think it's in all our hearts to help those people in our lives, but the problem is we're surrounded by people who are hurting and very often we can't help them. We want to help them, but it's not as easy as putting a Band-Aid and some Neosporin on a skinned knee. They, when someone's dealing with anxiety or uh, self-image issues, we can't really reach inside their heart and just fix that for them. Do you know that struggle? You see someone in pain, you care about someone, you, you want to help, but you're not God and you don't really have the power to help them. What can you do when the people around you have needs that you can't help with? What can you do to help your friend or your loved one right now in your life when their pain is something that you can't just reach in and fix? 
Uh, if we could answer this from the word of God, if you could leave here today knowing I know what to do when I'm moved with compassion, when I care, but I don't have the power to help, would you want to leave here knowing what God says about this? Uh, when you uh, have a teenage daughter or maybe a babysitter or a friend of a daughter and, and she's dealing with self-image issues and you just think, man, I wish I could just give her confidence. I wish I could just help her know how valuable she is, how beautiful she is in the sight of God. When you have someone who's broken with depression or who's grieving the loss of a loved one, I wonder right now, if you had like a magic wand and you could fix the pain or the struggle of anyone in your life, who would you help? And if you're a follower of Jesus, now would be a good time to invite the Holy Spirit to just lead you. You know, who is that person? Is it a coworker? Is it a former classmate, former roommate? Is it someone in your household? Is it someone in your neighborhood? If you could magically just make that pain go away, let the Spirit of God bring a name or a face to your mind and just keep that person in mind as we allow the Word of God to answer this very perplexing question for us. We're going to look in the Gospel of Mark chapter 1. This is the beginning of what we call Jesus' public ministry. So Jesus' public ministry was about three years and it culminated with that Palm Sunday that we talked about during communion where Jesus entered Jerusalem at Passover declaring that he's the Messiah, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world and he would ultimately be crucified for the sins of the world and rise again. But three years earlier, Jesus kind of burst onto the scene and Mark's gospel records this and we pick up in the middle of some movement. It says that evening after sunset, Many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. The whole town gathered at the door to watch. Why? Because Jesus is healing people. He's doing the miraculous. So Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases, and he cast out many demons. Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus gets up and he goes out to an isolated place to pray. And then Simon, also known as Peter, and the others, they go out to find him because the whole town's like, where's Jesus? They find him and they say, everybody is looking for you. But Jesus replies, they're like, we got to go back to all these people who like us. Jesus says, we must go on to other towns as well. I will preach to those people too. That is why I left heaven and came to earth. So Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee. Uh, not too dissimilar to Hendricks County. It's a region with many towns and villages preaching in the synagogues, casting out demons. One day a man with leprosy came, leprosy being a, a skin condition that in that culture at that time made a person an outcast. If you had leprosy, you couldn't go to family reunions. You couldn't even share a meal with others. You were considered unclean. So this guy's suffering physically, emotionally, socially, and he begs to be healed. He says, Jesus, if you're willing, I know that you could do it. If you're willing, you can heal me. You can make me clean. Moved with compassion, Jesus reaches out. Think about this. No one has touched this guy in years. And Jesus touches the untouchable. He says, I am willing, be healed. Well, as a result of that miracle and many others, large crowds start to swarm around Jesus. Wherever he goes, there's just people everywhere because everyone wants to have an encounter with Jesus. And it got to the point that he couldn't publicly go into any town. There'd be such a mob. And so he stayed out, God's word tells us in verse 45, in secluded places. And even there, People would sneak away. Hey, we figured out where Jesus is. Send back a, a report and let everyone know. Well, Jesus then re returns to Capernaum. Uh, Capernaum is a fishing village. Capernaum is where Peter, the apostle, grew up. Uh, and in fact, when it says here that Jesus is in a house back home, this is probably Peter's home that Jesus is in, most likely. Well, soon the house fills up. All these people come to hear Jesus speaking, and it gets to the place that there's no more room. In fact, even the front doors open, and people are gathered around the windows, and everyone's listening in, and the area around the house is overflowing with people. While Jesus was preaching God's word, I just had to highlight that. 
That's why we always say here, Christ is the head, his word is our guide. Even Jesus, who's God, preached the word. As Jesus was preaching the word, four men arrive and they're carrying a friend of theirs who is physically paralyzed. Now, we don't know, did, was this guy born with that condition or did he maybe have a, an aneurysm or a stroke, some kind of accident? Uh, whether it was from birth or recent, this is a guy who's suffering physically. Uh, in a culture that doesn't have you know, a lot of mobility tools, this guy is completely paralyzed. And I want you to think about these four friends. Uh, we don't know, was maybe one of them a brother of the guy? Uh, it's likely, we don't know for sure, maybe one was a cousin. These four friends, they want to bring this man to Jesus, but the crowds are so big, they run into an obstacle. And that's really where we connect with our idea of your desire to help the people in your life, but you run into an obstacle. They have a problem that you can't fix, or maybe you want to bring them to Jesus, but they don't want to come to church, or they've been hurt by church in the past, or you're afraid to bring up church, you run into an obstacle. If you get serious about helping the people in your life, you will run into some obstacles. And I just want you to think here for a moment, these four friends, they have it in their hearts to help, but there's an obstacle. And I know you've got it in your heart to help someone in your life, but you've run into obstacles. So let's look at what they do. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof above Jesus' head. Now, if you're paying attention, you're probably thinking like, what do you mean you dig a hole in a roof? Wouldn't you need like a sawzall or a crowbar? I mean, how do you get through a roof and how did they get up on the roof with a paralyzed guy anyway? So here's a picture of the kind of home, the construction style that Jesus would have been teaching in. And this is a, a home today in the Middle East. Here's a artist illustration of a larger home around the time of Jesus. And so I just want you to look at that. I want you to imagine the house on the left there with the open door that that's where Jesus is teaching. And people have now crowded around the door. They've filled up this entire courtyard area. There's people standing over by that window on the left. Everyone's leaning in to hear Jesus. These four friends show up. They're carrying their paralyzed buddy and they get there. They run into this obstacle. There's no way we're going to get our friend in there. One of them is a problem solver and says, hey, let's go up the stairs. They go up the stairs and you have to wonder, we've all been on this ride with friends before, right? Where one thing leads to another and you start to think like, I don't know if we should keep doing this, right? Like one of the guys is the guy who helps carry it up the stairs and, and then when they start to dig at the roof, which is a, a mixture of mud and straw and hay, and while the mud is wet, they would put down one layer, the sun would dry it, and then they'd put down another layer until they had a roof. But it was a roof that you could dig through. <laughs> Just imagine, Jesus is in there teaching, a rabbi would sit, all the other people are standing, and all of a sudden this burst of light comes down, like they're installing a, a skylight all of a sudden. Clumps of mud are falling and if you're in the room, you're wondering, like, what in the world is going on? If you're the homeowner, you're wondering what's going on. Next thing you see, a hand reach through the hole and pull back more roof. And eventually, look at the rest of verse 4. They lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. So there had to be some scouting, right, as they're on the roof. They're like, I, I think it's right about here. And one of them must have enough engineering in him. They get it right. This guy lowers down in front of Jesus. And we're going to see the heart of Jesus in a moment here. He could be annoyed. He could be, you know, what a distraction. I'm trying to teach. What are you guys doing? Now, here's our big idea today. And I want you to think back. What can you do to help your friend or loved one when you can't fix their pain? The answer is that you've got to do whatever it takes to bring them to Jesus. You've got to do whatever it takes to bring them to Jesus. There are pains in the lives of the people we love and who we work with that only Jesus can fix. And sometimes we gotta break some social norms. Sometimes we gotta dig through a roof. Sometimes we gotta carry someone up some stairs. Will you do, is it really in your heart? Would you choose today to just say, God, I'll do whatever it takes to get the people in my family to Jesus? 
God, when I have a coworker or a neighbor or someone on my athletic team or a classmate and I can tell they need you and your Holy Spirit's putting them on my heart, I'm choosing today, I wanna be like one of these four. I wanna do whatever it takes because you guys, if we will bring them to Jesus, he can do for them what we cannot do. He can heal what we cannot heal. And I sure hope by this point in the message that the Spirit of God is putting someone on your mind, some name or some face. And I just wonder right now, will you make the decision with me to say, if I've got to climb up on a roof, I'll do it. If I've got to step out of my comfort zone, I'll do it. If I've got to break a social norm, you know, maybe I'm not supposed to invite my boss to church, but I'm willing to take a risk because I love this person enough to get them to Jesus. I love the next verse Seeing their faith. This is a really significant verse because all through the Gospels, when people come to Jesus for healing, he responds to the faith of the person who needs the healing. We saw that with the leper. The leper said, I know you could heal me. Jesus sees his faith responds. This is unusual because the word there is plural. Jesus saw all of their faith. Five people, four carriers, one paralytic. He sees their faith together. These guys believed that if they could get their friend to me, I could heal him. And it's in response to their faith that Jesus says to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. I highlighted those words, my child, because Jesus, who's fully God, he embodies for us, how does God feel about you? How does God feel about the people you care about? How does God feel about the people you hurt for? And this, these two words, my child, they're a great summary of how God feels. He looks and he sees, just like I described my daughter Zoe with a, a little scrape on her knee, and she's my child. And when you're a parent and you watch your child, if they have to go through medical treatment or through severe pain, or as they get older, they go through breakups and difficulties. And so often as a parent, you think, if I could just trade places with them. I love them so much. I don't want them to have to go through this. I wish I could trade places with them. Do you realize what that's, that's what Easter's all about? God going to a cross so that you don't have to. God saying, I so love the world that is the people of the world that I would trade, I would take their pain on myself. And just as God collectively sees that for you know, seven billion people in the world today, he sees it individually as an infinite God. He looks at you with compassion. He says, my child, I wanna help you. I wanna help you in the most meaningful way because you know, if we're honest with the text, this is a little bit surprising. The guy's clearly paralyzed. He's on a mat. And Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. I'm going to be honest here as I read the story. If I'm the guy on the mat, I'm thinking, great, what about my legs? <laughs> right? And that is probably why this guy came to Jesus and asked his friends to take him to Jesus was so that he could get healed from his clear presenting issue, his obvious physical condition, his paralysis. And what we see revealed in Jesus' words here is that Jesus cares about our physical sickness. He cares about our emotional pain. He cares about our grief. And yet, just like a parent sometimes knows what's ultimately best, Jesus knows this as Almighty God. All of us have 70 years to maybe 100 years on this earth maximum. And in those years, we will have trouble, Jesus said. In this world, you will have trouble. Why? Because Satan infected this world with sin. That's why our bodies die. That's why people hurt our feelings. That's why divorce happens. That's why war happens. That's why cancer happens. So Jesus knows that while he can give us some pain relievers on our struggle through earth, the best thing he can give us is a whole other kingdom, a whole other place. Admission into the kingdom of God into heaven. And admission into the kingdom of God only happens one way. Your sins and my sins, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The Pope sinned, Mother Teresa sinned, your grandma sinned, you've sinned, I've sinned. Don't take it personal, it's all of us. We can't enter heaven with our sin, but Jesus died on the cross for our sin. The forgiveness of your sins is the deepest core issue in your life. The forgiveness of sins is the deepest root issue for every person you love in this world. And so Jesus 
filled with compassion for the man who's paralyzed, he doesn't just heal his paralysis for a guy who will then die a few decades later. He heals his eternal problem, his deeper problem, and he invites him into the family of God to be adopted as a child of God by having his sins forgiven. Well, some of the teachers of the religious law are sitting in there. What is Jesus saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. These are guys who know their Bibles. They know the truth of God's word, but they've missed the heart of God. They've missed the love and the compassion and the grace, and and that can happen. And they're actually factually correct in their final sentence. It is true that only God can forgive sins. They were 100% right about that. What they're missing here is that Jesus has been claiming and demonstrating that he is God. And that's why he can forgive sins. Jesus knows, verse 8, immediately what they're thinking. So he asks them, why do you have this question in your hearts? Is it easier to say to a paralyzed person, your sins are forgiven, which, I mean, anyone could claim, and it's invisible, so who knows, did it actually happen or not? Is it easier to say that, or... Would it be easier to say, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk on out of here? Now, do you guys know what a mic drop is? <laughs> a, a mic drop is when someone has a handheld microphone, and, and they have the ultimate burn, or you know, they, they really make their point, and to put a dramatic flare, to put an exclamation mark at the end of their point, what do they do? Boom. They throw it down, mic drop. Jesus is pretty much going to do a mic drop here, okay? Because these critics are like, who are you to say that you can forgive sin? And he says, well, what's easier, to say you can forgive sin or to say to this guy who's clearly paralyzed, stand up and walk. So I will prove to you that the Son of Man, that is a title from Isaiah, Daniel, Ezekiel, the Old Testament prophets for the Messiah. Uh, Jesus clearly claimed that he's Messiah God on earth to solve sin, he claimed it over and over again. He says, so that you know, I'm the Messiah and I have authority on earth to forgive sins. He turns to the paralyzed man and says, stand up, pick up your mat and walk on home. The man jumps up, grabs his mat. And you can just imagine this room packed with people starts to kind of part like a Red Sea as everyone's just watching. They're all amazed. And I love it. What is the point always when Jesus is lifted high? They glorified God. They praised God. The attention, the glory goes to God the Father. And they exclaim, we've never seen anything like this before. You know, Jesus is the only solution to the deepest problem in every person's life. Now, when your friend's going through a divorce or they're going through cancer or or some other thing, he does care about their pain. And he will uh, often work as they follow him to resolve that pain or give them joy as they go through it. But he wants to give them the ultimate solution. For every paralyzed person today, Jesus still offers a glorified body, a brand new body that works perfectly, that never gets sick. For every person who's been torn up, uh, they feel like they've been chewed up and spit out by so many relationships, Jesus offers a kingdom uh, where there's perfect love, perfect relationship, perfect acceptance. For all of us who our emotions are up and down and we struggle with anxiety or we struggle with worry or we know we should feel happier in life but we don't, he offers us a, a place where there's perfect peace where there's unlimited food and joy and connection with the author of life. And Jesus is the only way there. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So here's my question for you if you're a follower of Jesus. Will you do whatever it takes to bring the people in your life to Jesus? It's been my prayer for us this week as a movement. I've been praying for you all week. And I've just been praying this, Holy Spirit, Would you just stir our hearts up? Father, would you forgive us for getting complacent? I know it's true in my life. I get apathetic. I get complacent. I start to live for my comfort. 
I make sure the people under my roof are all healthy and happy, but the world's so big. I mean, what can we really do? And we start to lose the urgency that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And that once we come to salvation, we're left on earth on a mission to reach the lost. Now, if you're here and you've not yet believed, I've just got to take a moment to invite you that you can do this right now. It's a simple movement of the heart to just humble yourself before God, get on your knees spiritually and just say, God, you're God and I'm not. I admit that I've made mistakes in my life. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me. Be the God of my life. Be the Lord of my life. I wanna follow you. If you'll do that, you can be adopted into the family of God. You don't have to pay money. You don't have to do a bunch of good deeds. You just believe and receive the grace of God expressed on the cross. Well, I've thought about how to say this next part because I, I don't want to offend any theologians, but I just want you to imagine, just pretend for a moment, that Jesus is physically here in Hendricks County, and you get word, you know, you're watching Fox 59, you're watching the news, and it's like, wow, Jesus is he's on a tour of Indiana, and he's going to be in Hendricks County a week from today. And like, here's the exact address and the time where Jesus, not just spiritually, like physically, Jesus is going to be there. Would you bring the person you love who's hurting to Jesus, like these four guys did? Would you do that? Would you do whatever it takes to get that person there? And really to answer this question of what does that look like today? If Jesus isn't physically on earth, how do we bring someone to Jesus? I want to let the word of God as always answer a question like that. And in 1 Corinthians 12, we're told this. All of you together are Christ's body. Now, this is a metaphor, but I believe it is spiritually true because God's word says it. And this isn't the only time. Uh, Ephesians 4, there's about six instances in the New Testament, Colossians 2, where God says that when we gather together, just like what is happening right now, and we teach the word of God, and we invite the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts, that we become the body of Christ. God says that. So how do you get someone to Jesus today? You bring them to the body. Bring them to any church that is lifting Jesus high, that is teaching the word of God, that isn't about some person or some brand, but is all about Jesus. You bring them there. That's how you bring a person to Jesus today. We often say here at Connection Point, we're not the church, we're a church. There are other great Bible-believing churches in this area. One thing that we really work at here is that 52 weekends a year, if you bring a friend, they will hear Jesus presented in a way that they can understand and respond to God. And of all those 52 weekends in a year, there is no greater opportunity than one week from today on Easter. How do you solve the pain in the life of that person you love? You bring them to Jesus. How do you bring them to Jesus? There's no easier way than Easter. Uh, Americans get surveyed every year, nationwide surveys, and the question is this. If someone you knew invited you to an Easter service at their church, would you go? The vast majority of Americans still in this fractured, divided world, say yes. If someone I knew invited me to come and be their guest, I would go to an Easter service at a church. And while we present Jesus here every year, Easter, we go all out to have a presentation that that person you love who needs an encounter with Jesus can hear the good news in a way they can understand. And we pray over those services and we combine all our resources as we all serve. And every year we see hundreds of people who are moved by the Spirit of God and have encounters with God. You've got an amazing opportunity. But just like those four guys who are like, wow, Jesus is in Capernaum. How long is he going to be here? I don't know. We better get our friend there. We've got this opportunity. And, and we've got to just make the most of it. So I want to do something a little bit unique right now. If you would pull out your phone, uh, please go ahead. Maybe some of you hold it up so I know that people are actually doing it. Go ahead and pull out your phone. And we're all going to invite someone right now okay here's what you do open up a new text message just like if you meet a new friend and you're like ah, let me text you my contact or text you something okay open a new text message and for the number what you're going to insert is this number 317-350-1996 
I hope you're thumb typing along with me. And we all have different thumb typing speeds, okay? So you're texting a message to 317-350-1996. What is the message? Simply the word Easter. You don't have to do the quotes, just the word Easter. You send that. I'm sending it to mine right now. And at some point today, you're going to get a bounce back. We tend to overload the system between our online viewers and everyone in here. But at some point today, you'll get a bounce back, and it'll be this image that you see on the screen. And once you get that image, here's your, your job today, <laughs> is to forward that to the person that God's been putting on your heart. Say, so, oh, he's an atheist. He would never come. Just take a risk. Climb up the stairs. Dig through the roof. Do whatever it takes. Maybe you've got more than one person. Maybe you know some coworkers, some neighbors, some relatives. There is nothing easier in today's world than sending a text. And you can just forward that image to them, and you can invite them to join you as you bring them to the body of Christ. You might not use that language with them. They might think, you know, that's a little bit weird. In our church, I've mentioned it before, this is one of our sayings, Christ is the head of our church. His word is our guide. His spirit is our power. Now, what does it mean that he's the head? Well, we know in biology that the brain in the head controls all the other movements of the body. Your lungs are breathing in and out. Your heart's beating because your brain is telling them to do that. Your hands move. Your mouth moves because of your brain. And this is the idea. If we're truly a body of Christ where Jesus is the head, then we are going to be having movements that are in line with what he said. And what did he say? I've come to seek and to save the lost. If I've found 99 of my lost sheep, but one is still lost, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to search for that one. If we are truly connected to him as our leader in our head, then we're going to have an urgency in this next week as we go after people who need the healing that only Jesus can get to them. Another way you can do this is with a physical Easter invite. If you're in the room, these were on your chair. These are in the lobby as well. Uh, I've picked up about 15 of these because I know a few people at the gym I work out at and I know I'll have at least one or two lunch meetings this week where with the tip I can leave one of these um, and you can use a physical invite as well. And I want to encourage you, these guys didn't just point the way. They weren't like, uh, hey friend, Jesus is in town, you know, you should find some people to get you there, you know. If you go, enjoy it. Let me know afterwards if you made it, you know. They brought him to Jesus. And it's good when we invite it all, but I think sometimes we do that kind of like, you know, here, here you go, I hope you like it. Because we're not bold enough to be like, hey, would you sit with me? Here's all the service times. If there's one service time that works for you, I will sit with you. Uh, would you want to grab lunch after or dinner after on the Saturday night service or breakfast before on Sunday? Like, you know, what if we grabbed a meal together and went to one of these services Bring them to Jesus, don't just point them. One of the things I love about this living, breathing movement of God is that we are simply a movement of thousands of people that other people carried us on a stretcher to Jesus. We might not have been physically paralyzed, but we were paralyzed in in sin or in shame or in fear or in divorce, and someone loved you enough to bring you to Jesus. And I get to look out every Sunday and just see the eyes of people who've been brought to Jesus. Here's just three of these stories that are very symbolic of this entire movement. Shanna and Nate on the left. Shanna and Nate have good friends, connection point couple who invited them for years. Not months, but years. And it wasn't until Shanna and Nate went through the loss of a child and in their grieving it was straining their marriage and they just didn't see a way forward that finally after years of those invites they said maybe we should actually go to connection point and what happened they got brought to the body of Christ they heard the word of God preached they responded in faith God's forgiven their sins he's restored their marriage now they're here they're growing their kids are here they're growing That's what happens when you bring someone to Jesus. Sometimes you invite for years. And maybe right now you've got someone that you did invite them for years and you thought you gave up. Don't give up. And maybe the person you invite this year, you'll invite them for years. And three years from now, they'll finally come to Jesus. Don't give up. 
Mary Goss in the middle was grieving the loss of a loved one and actually her daughter-in-law moved into a neighborhood and one of our Connection Point small groups, uh, it was around Christmas time, they said, hey, can we help put up your Christmas lights? So get this, they went on the roof and they hung her Christmas lights for her. And now uh, that daughter and Mary and the grandkids, they're all here and they're all growing in Jesus because there were men in a small group who said, we're going to reach out to a new neighbor and then we're going to show them God's love through action, but ultimately we're going to invite them to Jesus. Stephanie on the right, Stephanie was not going through a severe crisis or trial. She just wasn't sure, how do I really connect with God? But one of her coworkers at the Brownsburg School's Early Childhood Development Center, Angie, one of her coworkers, um, was just showing up to work with the heart of God saying, God, I'm gonna pray for the people I work with. I, I don't know where Stephanie's at spiritually and Angie invited her here and it has transformed not only Stephanie but her entire family. What I love about what I get to do is I get to look out every week and I get to see the eyes of people who were paralyzed in grief. They were paralyzed in shame they were paralyzed in hopelessness, but someone brought them here and Jesus looked in their eyes and he said, my child, if you'll believe, your sins are forgiven. And they believed and now where their eyes were empty with hopelessness, there's hope and there's joy and there's peace. And the most beautiful thing is then when you see them bring someone in on a stretcher, so to speak, and you see God do it all over again, all because someone loved enough to go out of their way. Well, my job is to equip you. Ephesians 4, when it says that we're the body, it says that pastors and teachers, our job is to equip you to do the work of ministry. And so one of the ways I wanna equip you is I wanna give you as many tools to bring people here as possible. So here's one we've put together. This is called a new neighbor bag. And the idea is this. I know I've got four of these in my neighborhood. You see a house go up for sale, and then, you know, these days, not very long, you see the sold sign on there, and then you see a moving truck show up. Whenever that happens in your neighborhood or in your apartment complex, these bags are free. You can grab them out at our connection corner for your new neighbors. And you should know these bags are not filled with lame connection point church propaganda. They're filled with like really cool gifts that you would actually get for a new neighbor. So that coffee mug that says rise and shine, it doesn't say connection point on it. It's like, this is a cool coffee mug that you would actually use. And then there is some tasteful material in there about connection points so that you can say when someone moves in, hey, welcome to the neighborhood. Um, and if you are looking for a church or if you're ever looking to connect with God, you can uh, join me and my family over at Connection Point. You can pick those up today. I've got four of them right now in my car because I know the four houses in my neighborhood. I've been putting it off because it's been so cold, but reading this and praying for you guys this week, I'm like, this is the time. It's the best week out of 52 in a year to invite those folks to join me for Easter. Here's a few recent study findings about the status of your neighbors, the people moving into the homes in your neighborhood. Why are Americans so lonely? Massive study finds nearly half of the U.S. feels alone. So these people you see moving in, they might have a nice house, they might have nice cars. I can guarantee you they're carrying pain with them. Whether it's loneliness, anxiety, divorce, cancer, there is pain in their lives because Satan has broken this world. And God put them in your neighborhood so that you can bring them to Jesus. Here's another recent study. Depression and suicidal thoughts are now prevalent in high school students. Not occasional, they prevail. They're, they're more common than not. Here's another recent survey finding. American men are suffering from a friendship recession. You ask an average American man, hey, outside of your biological relatives, who's gonna carry your casket at your funeral? And the average American man says, I, I don't know. I don't have one close friend, let alone Three, they need the body of Christ where they can not only find forgiveness of their sins, but they can find that friendship in our men's groups and in our small groups. God has allowed this church um, to be an expression of the body of Christ for 185 years. Can you guys believe that? This church started with a small group of people in 1837, before Brownsburg was even called Brownsburg, before Coca-Cola existed, before the U.S. Civil War, 
before the Ohio State University was founded. I always like to, to point that out. Now, here's the thing. As, as Brownsburg has grown, this church, by God's grace, has been an expression of the body of Christ that has grown with it. Now, there's always going to be some people in Brownsburg who aren't Christians and aren't acting like Christians, and there's always going to be some imperfect people in the body of Christ. But what this church has done right is it has kept Jesus the main thing and his word our guide, and, and through the Civil War, through World War I, through the Great Depression, through World War II, uh, now through COVID, we just keep lifting Jesus high. And we keep teaching the word of God and we keep bringing our neighbors to Jesus um, to the extent, yeah, here's a picture of a generation. This must have been in the, probably the 50s or the 40s based on those cars. That was the groundbreaking. Did you know that where Town Hall is in Brownsburg, that used to be, uh, this church built that building uh, 50 or 60 years ago when it was called Brownsburg Christian Church. Most recent U.S. Census Bureau estimates the population of Brownsburg at 28,000 people. It's probably closer to 32,000 now, but think about this. On Easter weekend, we'll have about 8,000 people through this building. So out of 32, 8 out of 32, that's one out of four people will be here. God has allowed us to have that saturated of a presence in this community, really because of the faithfulness of the people before us who keep bringing people to Jesus. Now, I just want you to bear with me as I nerd out here a little bit, but just think about this. You've got a community that has had a very significant presence of the body of Christ for as long as it's existed. Is it a coincidence that it has some of the best schools in the state? Is it a coincidence that it has some of the lowest crime in the state? I know for, for me as a, a dad, when I have my kids in the Brownsburg schools, almost every time I meet their teacher and their teacher's like, yeah, we go to Connection Point. So is it a coincidence that when the body of Christ, I mean, just think about it. If more and more people are becoming followers of Jesus, I'm following Jesus, I'm growing in my faith, are you going to go rob a Dunkin' Donuts if you're following Jesus? Probably not. Are you going to break into someone's home if you're following Jesus? Probably not. So think about this, you guys. We care at the granular level of the person who lives next to us or the person who lives under our roof or we work with. We see their pain. We see their suffering. That's where God calls us. But as God uses thousands of us, it does transform a community. You get thousands of people who wake up and say, I'm following Jesus today. You are going to have less crime. You are going to have better schools. You know, Jesus says in Ephesians 4 that the church is to be the pillar of truth. It's not like celebrities are happening and that's the center of the world and the church is on the periphery. The church is actually the main thing that's happening spiritually in the world. Everything else is on the periphery. And as the church grows in any region, this is not Connection Point, this is not Brownsburg, in any region, in any culture where the church grows Hospitals follow, healthcare follows, orphanages follow, women's rights improve. Why? Because people are following Jesus. And it gets sideways when people stop following Jesus. All right. Look at verse 38. We already read this, but Jesus says, We must go on to other towns as well, and I will preach to them also. Now, I'm grateful for the presence we have in Brownsburg, and we will not be done here until 100% of the people in Brownsburg are followers of Jesus. I'm glad that we have as many as we do, but we want to keep reaching every new person who, re who moves in. But I want you to just think about this right now. As we start our Avon campus a week from today, what if three or four years from now, one out of four people in Avon was showing up at an Avon campus hearing about Jesus? What if uh, what connection point, what God has done through it in Brownsburg what if God wants to do the exact same thing in, as Jesus said, the next town over? The next town over. Avon Campus launches a week from today. And uh, some basics that you should know about it. Every week, the Avon Campus will join us for the, the teaching of God's word. It'll be a live stream video of the message. And that will keep us unified as a church. So actually, our 915 message here will be played at 9.30 there. The staff wanted a short delay so that if I use any profane language, <laughs> like the Oscars, they can, you know, mute it out. So there's a, about a 15-minute delay. 
but you should know if you go to Avon or invite someone to Avon, they're gonna get the exact same teaching of God's word. They're gonna have their own live worship team, their own staff team. Why is the staff there not preaching? Because we want the staff there to be 100% focused on connecting relationally, shepherding, and making disciples. And God has brought exactly the right staff to do that because the staff's job is to equip the people, the people of the church to do the ministry of God. So it'll be a live streamed message with uh, physical shepherds and uh, disciple makers on staff and lay people there. Uh, And we've got our first group of people, which is a blend of the pioneering church that we get to combine with and Connection Point people who've decided to go to Avon and they're here with us today. It'll be one service every Sunday at 9.30. It meets at Avon South Middle School. Uh, And if you know someone in Avon, you can invite them to join you there a week from today. It's gonna be a historic Sunday. And uh, by the way, you're allowed to double dip. If you know someone who lives in Danville or Avon and you say, hey, join me, let's go at 9.30, you can sneak back over here at 11.15 or you can come Saturday night. I used to double dip all the time when I was a lay person. You're welcome to do that. One service at 9.30, our prayer, if God would work in a big way, is that by August, we'd need to launch a second service there. We'll see what God does. Here's the bottom line, 1 John 4, we love because he first loved us. When we really understand what God has forgiven, what he's done for us, the free gift of salvation, that we have identity, we have purpose, we have significance, we have security that money can't buy. I mean, millionaires don't have this, but we have it for free. And we have eternal life. When we really get that, and that the only reason we have it is not that we earned it, but that God proactively loved us and now he has sent us on mission we will love greatly when we understand how greatly we've been loved well it's been my prayer for you this week is just that the spirit of god would do something that i can't do to just wake you up and stir you up to have an urgency as i was praying over this story um, god reminded me that the last time we taught this story we actually had a guy named Joe who had recently had a brain aneurysm and he's physically paralyzed now. And he happened, his very first Sunday here, January of 2020, happened to be the teaching of this text about the paralyzed man. Um, Joe's brother-in-law, Jonathan, had invited him. And Joe decided that he wanted to receive Jesus' free gift of salvation and it took some planning and some scheduling, but Jonathan got his small group together. And um, they helped Joe express his faith through baptism. And, and just like those friends lowered the mat, Jonathan and his buddies got to lower his brother-in-law into those baptism waters. I, I got to communicate with Joe over the weekend. He watches online with us every week. He does Daily Hope every day. He was joking with me about my favorite kind of car. Joe's still all there mentally. And now Joe's all there spiritually because of a brother-in-law who cared enough to bring him to Jesus. And I just want you to imagine the people in your life, maybe they're not in a wheelchair, but maybe they're paralyzed in shame. They're paralyzed in loneliness. They're paralyzed in grief. Maybe you don't even know how broken they are inside. I want you to imagine that every new neighbor, anyone who moves into a house in Hendricks County gets a new neighbor bag and they show up here and they're brought to Jesus. I want you to imagine that every widow who's grieving the the loss of her husband, she gets invited here. Someone brings her to Jesus. I want you to imagine every single mom struggling and feeling overwhelmed and looking around at families and thinking, how can I do this by myself? Someone brings her here to Jesus. She finds a community, she finds a tribe. I want you to imagine every teenager as they're going through this crazy world and they're trying to answer, who am I? What's my identity? Where am I accepted? Where do I belong? That they get invited here and they're brought to Jesus. I want you to imagine that as we are the faithful presence of Christ, the body of Christ, and we keep him the head, that we live with an urgency and we invite the couples like Shanna and Nate, who you saw. We invite them for years because God chased us for years, didn't he? He didn't give up. I just want you to imagine that over 
years and decades of this that the body of Christ in Hendricks County just continues to saturate more and more and more so that almost anywhere you go, you turn around and there's another follower of Jesus. And we just change central Indiana with the power of the good news of Jesus. If you're with me in that, if you're saying, I will join you in that urgency, would you just stand with me as a way of just saying, I will follow Jesus as the head of the church and the head of my life. He came to seek and to save the lost. He laid down his rights. I will lay down my agenda, my priorities to invite the people I live with, the people I work with, the people I go to school with. Let's pray that together right now. Father, in this place, I praise you that you're a God who heals paralysis physically, spiritually, eternally. God, I thank you for looking into my eyes and saying, my child. I pray in this moment for anyone who's never received that gift of salvation, that they'd know that right now you're staring into their soul, not with judgment or with any kind of hate, but with pure parental love that says, my child, believe, receive, follow me. God, there are people in each of our lives. Maybe we've even complained about them because they've, they've been difficult, because they're living in pain. And right now, your Holy Spirit is just pressing them on our hearts. God, whether we text them, whether we give them a physical invite, we're going to tell them, will you be my guest? Will you sit with me? I want to bring you to Easter. We can grab a meal, whatever you want to do. My top priority for Easter is not candy or a family gathering. It is bringing people to Jesus. God, we just declare that that is our heart. And we know that you're the one who does the work. You're the one who gets the glory. But God, we just pray that you would rescue, that you would transform, that you would do uh, miraculous healings in marriages and in emotions and in souls. Jesus, you said that whatever we ask the Father in your name, it'll be granted so that the Father would be glorified. So grant this request that we ask in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, if today's episode encouraged you or helped you in any way, we would invite you to keep following Jesus with us. We send out a daily video text devotional. You can receive that and you can learn how to gather with us online or in person for our weekend services. All of that is available over at cp.news. That's the letter C, the letter P.news on your phone or desktop or tablet browser. Thanks again for joining us and please join me again next week for the Connection Point Podcast.